Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I am unashamed. What about you? All right, welcome to Unashamed. I'm still... uh in the eastern time zone. Jace, we got you. Looks like you're up and running good this time. We had some issues with you in the last podcast. Looks like yeah, the, my, my vault, which is where I'll be mainly doing the podcast from when I'm up here. It's it's great, except the there's no Wi-Fi at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so, well... We'll get some kind of hotspot situation figured out, but it's it's going to be a good setup. But I'm at my son's house, and I mean, look, he's doing quite well, I guess. I mean, gee whiz. A, looks like a nice place. Yeah, he built this house. They've been living here for six weeks. And look, I'll tell you this, Phil. I was shocked. Last night, he cooked, uh, it was filet mignon with some chicken wild rice i mean not wild rice uh fried rice it was hibachi style just awesome and the night before it was some kind of thin spaghetti it was an italian dish with big shrimp in it it was tomatoes it was it was something i had never eaten in my life red pepper had a little heat to it but i was like when did you learn how to cook this good? And he said, I guess I got it from the gene pool. Yeah. I said, well, I appreciate you carrying the heritage there. Oh, it's been <laughs> fantastic. Usually that's my first question said, we just got married. We're happy. And I, I, I always say to the man, can she cook? And there's all kind of little grins and people they's looking around, you know, I just want to know if she cook or not. Because in our day, today's culture, it's kind of a, it's not of a front and center in a lot of young marriages these days. You notice that, Jace. But there's a lot more men that are cooking now, Dad. And I look at the Robertson mm-hmm. men. I mean, there's some pretty good cooks in our heritage. Yep. And even my son-in-law, who's not a Robertson, but I mean, the man can cook, yeah. especially when it comes to grilling well, and oh, meats, yeah. you know. What What's crazy is that when I said, well, Brighton, it must be nice to have a man that can cook like this. And then Reed said, well, she cooks better than I do. There you go. And I thought, well, life's good here. I would carry that as a badge <laughs> of honor. You have to eat. So, you know, people who learn how to cook, it makes life a little more enjoyable, I would think. Well, the difference in our family and a lot of people is that my wife, 
coined this phrase and I really believe it to be true. She said, a lot of people just eat to survive, but we survive as Robertson's to eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's a pretty good way to put it. I weigh what I'm supposed to weigh, Jace. You weigh what you're supposed to weigh. Al's got a few pounds on him. So, you know, he might cut back, tell the cook, <laughs> I'm tell working the cook, on whoever it. she is, you might ought to back off a little bit on the butter. Oh, that's hard to do, but you're probably right. So, Dad, I had a question from earlier. So, do are you using hotspots to deal with your Wi-Fi issues? Is that is that how I've you go about it? I've never heard those words before in my life. Hotspot. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't get it. Well, Phil, the last time he used hotspot, it's when we hunted in the middle of the property, and he said, "Boy, this is a hotspot yeah. for the ducks." Yeah. <laughs> I'm computer illiterate. So it would be safe to say that dad's hotspots deal with his Wi-Flies, not his Wi-Fis, right? Why are these ducks flying in here? It's because we're in a hotspot. The only thing I've got going for me when I say, what am I missing by not having a cell phone? And they pause and they say, actually nothing. So I'm like, well, why fool with it? Well, you, you'd be missing the Unashamed podcast, Phil, and that would be devastating. One yeah, can be one successful thing. without, yeah, the, I'm glad everyone else has them because you wouldn't have a podcast. So I think the Apostle Paul would have used the cell phone if they had that technology in his day. I think he would have used it. What do you think, Al? To reach people. No doubt. I mean, let's take a break. He's, didn't he say in Acts that he, by every means possible? I'm not knocking him. I just said, I don't think I want to go down that road. I just. And you're the one that told us you needed to, you told me and Zach one day on a plane, you needed to be on the internet. That's I how said, we're going to reach me on people. the internet. So I you sure were prophetic. Did. Yeah. But what's amazing to me is that God chose that time on purpose to reveal Jesus. And it was not in the technological world and it became the greatest told story in the history of mankind but you know what what's interesting jace about that and you're right but when you think about the roman road they call it because roman civilization basically paved the way to other parts of europe and the whole what was the known world at the time in a sense, it was that sort of advance for its time. I've always thought the reason he picked that time was because of the brutality of how they kill people. And he always wanted shown his sacrifice for sin would be mm-hmm. some of the worst possible ways to kill a human being, which is certainly the Roman crucifixion. Yep. That's my theory. In all this, you see God. I mean, the, the biggest thing I've learned being a follower of Jesus is a lot of the opposite things that the world lifts up as being successful and the way to success, God chooses to do it in the opposite way. I mean, if you want to live, you got to die. You know, bring your cross. It, you know, suffering is actually encouraged yep. because it keep, keeps your perspective on the big picture. I mean, you just wouldn't think most 
things that are in the religious world, they're like, you know, come, come to me and all your problems will be solved. Oh, well, I'm in on that, you know, give money and God will give you more. I mean, we, we try to pick those aspects, but when you start saying, look, if you go out in public and declare Jesus as Lord, you're going to suffer and you need to rejoice in that. Well, most people, that's not very appealing. That's true. You're exactly right. And it's kind of the theme for our podcast today. Um, yesterday, I heard a great sermon from the pastor here when I was in Virginia on John 12 uh, about the worship that took place. You know, it was right after Lazarus was raised from the dead, Jason, in John 11. And they had a dinner party, you know, there for Jesus. And so you had, you know, Mary and Martha and Lazarus were throwing this dinner party for Jesus. And they were honoring him, worshiping him. Maybe it was a better way to put it. The, the word is honor uh, for what had happened and that he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And he made the point. It only said Martha served, which was her way to worship. Lazarus sat and which is he made this really funny stuff about, you know, if you've been dead, you know, just just sitting there it takes a lot of effort, you know. And so but he talked about how he just soaked in the presence of God. And then Mary pours out this oil and so his word for her was Mary sacrificed. And so I love that picture that they were all there. And of course, Judas comes in and tries to ruin the moment by saying, you know, we should have sold this oil for money for the yeah. poor, which wasn't even true because he just wanted to take it himself. But he, he mentioned there was always these people against worship. But out of that moment of suffering where you saw Martha and Mary thought they lost their brother. And then, of course, Jesus brought him back to life. But then Jesus wept before he raised him from the dead. So I thought it was really interesting. And dad, I want you to tell about the sermon you heard yesterday, because it was in the same kind of, but yesterday we're out ahead recording. So you'll hear this in a couple of weeks, but yesterday was nine 11. And so I know we had a, a sermon back home that was pretty special. Tell about that, about the testimony you heard from one of our brothers there. Well, I think he said that was, uh, what year was that when this occurred? 73, I 73, about I think. When it, when it happened, but uh, he's talking about his sister. I think she was about 17, and a terrorist converged on him and started throwing bombs over in the plane. He had just moved to the front because of the seating arrangement. He had just moved enough away to where he didn't take the, the, the some of the explosions you know but uh but his sister was killed uh that day and uh it just shows you how precious and how short life can be it was a it was a moving sermon i tell you that on how they eventually de dealt with it as a family and all they they, they marched on yeah, speak to that dad because because the whole purpose of the sermon, from what I understood, was when things happen in culture, since we were, it was on 9-11, the idea was, you know, we were attacked on 9-11. And, of course, as a nation, we reacted and responded by going to chase down terrorists. And a couple of wars began that, you know, people can debate whether we needed them or not. But at, from a kingdom pers perspective, um how we respond to evil was that kind of the thrust yeah. of of the sermon yeah. that's what i understood it yeah. was going to be so what was the kind of what was the bottom line what was your takeaway for how we respond to that as kingdom you, people you you grieve you grieve some but knowing that you're children of god he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy 
her perfection didn't go away and she just closed her eyes and in a moment she'll open them and heaven is hers. So that's the way he pretty well, that's, that's what he came out with. You know, it's a mean yeah. world. Most of right. these guys who wrote the New Testament, nearly all of them, but one, I think, John was the only one who wasn't killed over it. But they they gladly right. took it. They just gladly took it up and it kept on going. They, they died for the cause. But they knew they had eternal life, so they still live on. So I'm all in on it. I am too. No doubt about it. Well, I just thought that was really interesting, the kind of the approach on that was the kingdom response to evil, uh, which on a day when we recognize evil for what it was, yep. right, which made it powerful. So, Dad, the one you were referencing to was one of our brothers, uh, Randy, who's been one of our elders for quite a few years at our church. And uh, his parents, his dad was a uh, oil field yep. worker. So, I mean, so he was like, you know, he followed over into all these different nations in the far in the east, that. you know. To, that's, yeah, that's where they lived. And so, you know, Randy and his sister were both, you know, they were, I think they were just out of high school. And so they were about to go into college or in college. So they would have to travel over for holidays to see them. And so they had hubbed in Rome uh, to when they were coming back, I think it was from Saudi Arabia. This is early 70s. I want to guess around 72, 73. And so you can look it up even, uh, you know, this this event that happened on the tarmac in Rome, these guys just lobbed these bombs over into this plane. And right where he was supposed to be sitting, his sister yep. was sitting, there was an empty seat where his was, and one of these went off and yep. it killed her. And uh, it was just obviously such a shocking moment, especially because this is kind of early in the whole terrorism things, especially impacting Americans. So it was a very devastating thing. And of course, you know, I'm sure her, their, her mom and her mom, their mom is still alive, but I'm sure they dealt with a lot of guilt and grief over losing a daughter, you know, traveling back and forth from them. So I've heard part of the testimony before and it's very powerful and moving, but their response as a family, both from their mom and dad and also from Randy, the brother, uh, it's been pretty incredible because this could have soured them, made them bitter, you know, made them evil. But instead, it didn't. They, like you said, they knew she was going to heaven. And so their deal was, is we're going to trust in God no matter what yeah, happens. His his uh, dad, when he came back with all the up evil in it, uh, lost his job. I mean, they I mean, they had they had some some tough years in there. But he basically said at at the end, but your only hope still lies in the resurrection of the dead. So you move on. Which is powerful. Um, look, we've got to take a break. On the other side of the break, we've got a, a couple of guests that are going to join Dad there in the lair. Uh, one is our old friend Ryan Lee, uh, who's from One Kingdom. And the other is Gary Witherall, and Gary has been on our podcast Gary before. Gary has a story. Like, yeah, like. And exactly. And and talk about suffering today and sort of how that's viewed in the, in the kingdom uh, and how we deal with that. So when we come back from the break, uh, we'll welcome in Ryan and Gary. So, Zach and Dad, I think both of you can agree that uh, – one of the scourges uh, of our of our culture uh, put here by the evil one is the scourge of pornography. Uh, the Bible, of course, talks a lot about lust uh, going way back into the ancient days, as ancient as Job. 
uh, and you go back and read Job 31, you see that Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes uh, not to look lustfully at a young woman. So uh, this has been around a long time, obviously because of the Internet, because of easy access has impacted more people in a negative way. And so one of our sponsors is a group called Covenant Eyes. And for the past 22 years, uh, they've been helping people have a life free of pornography. In fact, over a million and a half people have been blessed because of their ministry. Uh, so we don't want to be ashamed because this is the Unashamed podcast. And, and the way you take away shame is that you find ways to change your behavior, to change what you look at and to change your heart. And these guys can help you do that. They can help you find freedom and a stronger faith and a stronger family than you've ever had before to see what a pornography free life looks like. So we want you to check them out. Uh, try Covenant Eyes or they're going to give you a free 30-day trial if you sign up today with the promo code Phil. You've got nothing to lose but a lot to gain. Visit CoveEyes, C-O-V-E-Y-E-S, CoveEyes.com slash Phil. That's CoveEyes.com slash Phil. Free 30-day trial and uh, get this pornography out of your life. Uh, we've got a special episode today. One of our, our good friends, uh, Ryan Lee, who uh, works with our One Kingdom Ministry, which is kind of our mission arm around the world, uh, is going to be on along with Gary Witherall, who has an amazing story. Gary's been on the podcast before uh, and talked about his wife uh, being martyred. It was an incredible story. And so he's going to give us a little more, not only insight into that, but also into what he's doing now. Uh, in terms of his ministry. And it's quite incredible uh, when you think about it. So uh, a little bit shorter episode today, but some really good stuff that I think you guys are going to love. So uh, let's, let's hear from these guys. It's, it's actually pretty interesting. Our, our connection, Gary, you know, I, like, like Alan said, I was working, you know, Jace's, I know Jace, you're, you're, we talked a lot about stocks, uh, but that used to be my world, right? I used to be uh, deep into uh, the financial world and, and through a mutual friend, Keith, um, we, we met. And when I heard your story, two things happened. One, I was like, I know Alan, um, who Alan's always been a, a globally minded man. Um, you know, he sits on our board at one kingdom. I, I mean, I wasn't even at one kingdom back then, <laughs> but, uh, right. I knew I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta get this guy in front of Alan. Um, and then the second thing is you had said something that, Hey, if you want to be on the front lines of mission work, you need to go to Athens. And our good friend, the, the you know, unashamed uh, friend of the program, Larry Bowles. We don't meet Larry Bowles without Gary Witherall. Uh, wow. because he had said that he'd said, look, if you want to be on the front lines, you go to, go to Athens. And, and that kind of led us into a relationship with Larry too. So it's just, I love these stories, how kingdom life brings people together. You know, the, the blood right. of Jesus just unites people. Cause we're all, if you're kingdom focused, you're going to meet some really cool people along the way. So, uh, Gary, t uh, to you, I know we talked about you, you kind of told the full story on the last podcast, but we always get a lot of new people. So uh, I want you have a book called Total Abandon, which is I highly recommend people to go and get it. It will it will really touch your life. But just kind of briefly, because we want to talk some about suffering. I know you're doing a lot of work in that right now. Uh, tell briefly our audience, remind them uh, of what happened to your to your first wife, Bonnie, uh, and what you guys were doing when it happened. Yeah, uh, just earlier, uh, you've mentioned September 11th, and um, so I was living in Lebanon, um, and you have Beirut in the middle, and in the south, you have Tyre and Sidon. Historically, these are uh, Christian cities, um, 
has many refugees, complex, multiple cultures and people groups, really all kind of living together, different faiths. And um, in any case, I uh, so I was working there with a local church, and Bonnie was working as a prenatal nurse. Um, and there's a refugee camp, more than 200,000 people in this camp. And at that time, there was no... Um, medical care for pregnant women. If you could imagine that, it's just unbelievable, right? Uh, and uh, um, and so the church we were working at um, actually had a, um, a full prenatal care f- right up to the first year of of a child. And uh, so she was working in that clinic. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I was there during September 11th. It was a very intense time uh, in Middle East. And uh, but. Um, which is amazing now, but it was 20 years ago. Yeah, you know, just how the time moves. So actually, emotionally, it doesn't. You know, I'm still there. But um, uh, um, in 2002, a gunman came into the clinic uh, where she was working. It was early in the morning, still before eight in the morning, and um, and she was preparing as she did every day, um, food and coffee and all the things. Is I think they typically had like 30 women a day come in. And, uh, yeah, so she was preparing a gunman came in and then pointed a gun to her forehead and put three bullets in her face and executed her. And, uh, yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I've been to Bible college. I've been involved in a lot of ministry, doing all kinds of things all around the world. Um, but, uh, you know, and there is, I can say my life is divided. There is this pre suffering experience you know, and there is this post experience where they will never meet the, you'll never meet the Gary who lived before that, because now I walk with a limp, if, if you'd like, you know, like Jacob. And, uh, and I have this limp of, of being forced to live by faith, you know, and, um, but what I can say is um, that God really called me to, to forgiveness and uh, and I had a journey in discovering forgiveness and uh, and I've lived in the peace of that forgiveness every day of my life and uh, you know it, it you know as you guys you know all have wives you know what you know what I'm talking about if your wife was to be threatened in any way you go crazy but to receive three bullets and be executed I mean it's uh, it's something supernatural that God has given me, and uh, and I ferociously defend the gospel because Christ has has sustained my life, and uh, and I walk closely in that in that regard. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of part of my story, and, and I'm walking through being able to meet a lot of people, and I, you know, I don't just live in this circle, but I think the average person really suffers. Depression, discouragement, loneliness, lack of friendship, lack of uh, meaning in their life, um, not discovering their career in life. Uh, and uh, uh, so the idea of the gospel meets people in their brokenness. So let's, uh, let's take a break. Well, he just explained when Jesus said, you've heard it said love your neighbors and hate your enemies. He said, but I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What you just said there brings that to life. 
Gary, you talked about the supernatural nature. Um, you told when you I think it was the first time you told me your story, or I may have read it in the book too. But you mentioned a vision that you got in the moment of that initial shock, when where any of us would be, as you're you're looking at the corpse of your wife, and you see the blood that has has come out of her body. And as the blood mixed in with this grout, I think was the way you described it, in, in the tile floor, you had this vision of the blood of Jesus dripping from the cross into the, the dust below it. Yep. And in that moment, even, you almost had an initial pre-strike of what you had the capacity to do. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that's kind of led you to, to where you are now? Yeah, it, it's a very holy thing to talk about. Even I feel like that, you yeah. know. And 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 just to say, Al, you know, I've I've used it in a message uh, where Mary breaks the 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 perfume before Christ, and the disciples mm. are astonished as that priceless material seeps into the soil. You know, they are just yeah. agitated at how can something so costly be wasted you know, supposedly right and in the same way the blood of christ coming off the cross going into the soil and the and the sense of the pricelessness of the blood of christ you know being pouring into the soil and su supposedly being wasted um i was traumatized by looking at my wife's blood and and uh and then i you know i was on the ground i mean i was broken i was weeping and i was expecting a gunman to take my life too you know i was thinking mm -hmm. this is my end uh but in that moment um the lord really gave me i don't know a vision a picture of looking through his eyes on the cross and um and seeing everybody mock him and looking at myself mocking Jesus and you know there's blood and tears coming off his eyes and 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 then I hear the words I'm there in this experience father forgive him father forgive him and mm. this is going on while there's blood all over the floor I mean you can't imagine it's an intense moment you know mm. but in, in 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 that moment it was the first time in my life even though I grew up in the church and I uh, been in ministry as if I never understood the cross. I never understood where Paul said, I want to know you in your suffering. I want to know you in your death um, and participate in your resurrection. It's right there. It's, it's in this moment to realize that I am, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We are completely free and being forgiven by this incredible act of the cross in, 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 in complete forgiveness. And in there, it was like a convulsed, I said, wow, Lord, because you, I had a videotape of me being forgiven. Because you've forgiven me, today I forgive the gunman. And, uh, and thinking I'm going to die. I didn't, I, didn't, you know, I didn't even know I would ever share this you know, 20 years later. I was thinking, it's my life's over. And, uh, but just in that moment, I had a complete, um, I don't know, profound experience of seeing and being with the suffering of Christ on the cross, and and uh, and 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 that's why I say I've, I I genuinely know the Christ is real. I know this is not a waste of time. This is better. Uh, I was saying to uh, um, some guys outside, this is better than apple 
iPhone 14 that's about to be released. This is better than <laughs> Tesla. It's better than, you know, selling stocks. You know, it's better because it is the supreme truth that you can be set free. You can find peace. You uh, can be completely forgiven. Uh, and I think that people are very casual with the gospel, with the Bible, very casual because we live in such a free society that you can take it or leave it. But in desperate times and in desperate places, people, I've had, I've given a Bible to people and they start weeping because they never had a Bible. Um, and, and, they, and they kissed it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and uh, so I think that, uh, but it, it, when the Lord allows suffering in our lives to happen, when we move into a time of suffering, People become desperate and they turn to all kinds of things from drugs, sex, money, whatever it is, power. Um, but actually, the only thing that will set you free in suffering uh, is Jesus. And, and yeah. I, I, I believe that as, and so as ambassadors of this message, we have supreme truth that can actually speak into anybody's life, whether you're a, a billionaire or you are a slave or you are a refugee or you're in prison or you have been violated against in some way or another that you can be completely set free by the blood of Christ. And, you know, when you think about it, um, it really was laid out clearly for us what you're describing. Uh, we just got finished studying Hebrews and Hebrews 2.10 and following and also Hebrews 5.8. The Hebrew writer, Hebrew writer made it very clear. Jesus had to suffer. It, it wasn't, it wasn't a, he had to suffer to, to know what was he was doing for us. I mean, the, the, that's the word he used. And then I've said before, uh, Acts 9, 16, when Jesus was a resurrected, Jesus was talking to Saul uh, about Saul on that road to Damascus. We was talking to Ananias. He said, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And then even Peter Remember at the end of John 21, whenever he's, you know, back and forth with Jesus, you know, he says he lays out how he's going to suffer. And Peter says, what about him? He said, you don't need to worry about him. I'm talking about John. And so it was like, he, you know, here, here's Jesus and the, and the probably, I guess, the most recognized top two leaders in the early church. And all three said, we, we were going to have to suffer to be able to relay the message and in regards to Jesus suffering, you know, without without the shedding of the blood, there's no forgiveness. There is no gospel. By, a, by one sacrifice, Jesus, by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Mm. Your, your your woman, your sister was perfect yeah. in the eyes of God. Yeah. He has one sacrifice. He has made perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah and and I, I I am I I really am a person. I have peace, and I I I um I just wanted to share one verse if I can, uh, and just hear you guys' thoughts on this. But in in Colossians, and I know you guys are going to look at Colossians in the future, verse twenty, it says, and he uh, uh through him to reconcile himself to all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so this idea, and this is really fascinating me these days, is that by when the, when the blood began to pour, uh, we have 
the blood of the peace, the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace shed his blood. And when we participate in his body, we have peace. We become peacemakers. We become men of peace. Uh, we've uh, okay. It, I was in Lebanon. I met a guy. He was a he, he was a warrior. He was a um, militant guy in the Civil War, and uh, and they called him the Wolf. Can you imagine? Like your buddies call you the Wolf. I mean, you're already bad, <laughs> but to be called the Wolf, right, is pretty hardcore. And and um, and he, in a vision, he saw a cross. He came to Christ, became a really true believer. And he was starting to do Bible studies in his house. His brother came over uh, with a bunch of guys to come beat him up and tell him to get back on the road, you know. And uh, and his brother picked up a a two by four, slapped him across the head. And I saw the scar on his head uh, and he started to bleed. and, And he said, I forgive you. And, and, and the brother said this, look at what the Christians have done. They took the heart of a wolf out and put a heart of a sheep in. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? It's like even those people that yeah. see you will say, your heart has been changed. Right. Your heart's been changed. You were a wolf, but you're a wolf no more. You're a sheep. And, and we are a sheep, you know, we, and we have a true shepherd. And uh, I, uh, so I like this idea of God transforms men, even the most evil you know, so there's always hope. Let's take a break. Well, you know, one of the things we think about suffering, there's so many verses that talk about rejoicing in the suffering. And, and as you tell that story about Bonnie, you know, the only way that you could come to that immediate forgiveness is a supernatural power. You know, it's, it's what we talked about in this Kingdom Life series of if you're really a kingdom man, if you're really a kingdom woman, you are indwelt with the almighty God within you. You cannot do that. Our, our human instinct is to um, not only reject suffering, but uh, avoid it at all costs. And yet here, as as a, a kingdom man, we're called to actually participate in Christ's suffering. It's almost like when we think of the word participation, it's like it's usually an honor, right? I want you to participate. I, even us sitting here, I, it's an honor to participate in this podcast with you guys. That's the same way. Like it's an honor to participate in Christ's sufferings. It, it, it's something that we should be rejoicing for. You know, even this, you're, you're in Colossians one, you jump down to verse twenty four, and Paul says, "Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you." The the, the idea that in suffering, not be happy about it, but to be joyful that God would think that much of us that through that suffering, he would grow us, he would mature us, he would shape us and mold us. Because think about your this ministry that you've been a part of for 20 years now. I, when you said 2002, it just, I, you know, I've known you for a while now. Yeah. It's 20 years, yeah. you know, and, and you thought in that moment that your life was actually, you know, that maybe you're next. And yet God has said, no, 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 through this suffering, my name is going to be made great. And for 20 years, you've been able to tell his story and tell a story of forgiveness, of grace, but also of rejoicing and suffering. It's pretty remarkable. Good point. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, what I thought throughout all this is when you said, you know, suffering comes in different forms. I mean, you know, we had Mia who has special needs and her life has pretty much been 
revolved around suffering because she's had numerous surgeries. By the time she heals up from the last one, she has another one. And it was just such a painful journey because you felt completely helpless. And uh, when you brought that Colossians uh, chapter one up in verse you know 20, I thought about Romans five because we went through that process about trying to find some joy in the suffering, which look, it took years because in the first few months when we knew this was going to happen, I did not respond. I was angry. I was mad because I thought, I mean, here, we're out. We're sharing Jesus. We're, there's no sand in the camp here as far as something major. I mean, why is this happening? But, uh, you know, after a few months, I think it was Missy who read this, this verse. And she's like, you know, God has done some powerful things through suffering. And uh, this has come to us. So instead of us saying why, we're going to say why not. But I wanted to read it just because it says, you know, that in our sufferings, we rejoice in verse 2 of Romans 5 in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope doesn't disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And then just like Colossians, what you read, he then goes to the ultimate example of suffering. He says, you see, at just the right time when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God de demonstrates his own love for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. And it hit me when you were sharing your story and we were talking about Randy and what happened to his sister. Most people who see a headline that comes by that says, you know, a Christian is martyred in whatever country or there's three Americans died on a plane in 1973. Well, since it wasn't directly related to us or we didn't know them, we just kind of cast it off. But what about those people that experienced it? I mean, here you are on your hands and knees. And I kind of felt the same way with my daughter. I was just like, I didn't realize that one out of 800 kids have this condition in some capacity. And so I said all that to say, you know, it's been difficult. It's, and our daughter handled it way better than we did. But now I see her running her own charity for kids with special needs with her own condition. She's the CEO of it and has done a way more spe spectacular job of running it than we have because we just don't have that relatability to those kids. And uh, it just, it brings me a lot of joy now. And I can, I can finally say, okay, we, we learned to rejoice and all those sufferings, mm -hmm. you know? Well, you know what's interesting, Jace, when you were describing that, you, you know, you your story, what you just shared with uh, Mia, and also what Gary shared, his story with Bonnie, were both, were both suffering that came about not by anything you had mm -hmm. done, but something that happened outside of your control. As we're having this conversation, I thought about Dad and I, who, who lived a period of our lives away from Christ, and brought suffering into our lives because of ourselves, our own bad decisions. But both of us have even learned from that, that we now can be blessed even through that suffering that we caused ourselves be because of the same blood okay. of Jesus. And therefore it has motivated us to try to tell as many people as possible not to live that life. So 
whether you make the call that causes suffering or someone you care about, or it was made totally outside of your control, the blood of Jesus covers. Yeah, that's all what I was going to say. That's what Gary made me realize that in all these specific sufferings that we have, it's relatable to us and a few people around us. But what Jesus did is took all suffering, whether it was just based on living in an evil world or somebody else's sin or our yep. own sin. And he took all that and died for us as an innocent sacrifice and suffered and that blood was spilled. So no matter what your situation is, even if it doesn't seem as drastic of, of a suffering than someone else's, here's Jesus meeting you on that road, you know, to give you some joy. And it's not a hope that when we read in Romans five, that we're like, you know, buying a lottery ticket. This is a hope that we can be sure of that not only is he going to give us purpose here, but we're going to live forever. We're going to be resurrected. I love that verse, Chase, uh, in Romans five. I, I, I go to it often because I like verses with like formulas, <laughs> you know, just yeah. my human nature. I like that. It, you know, says, yeah, suffering produces hope. James one, two is another one of my favorites, you know, consider it pure joy. My brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And, and for me, I, I, sometimes because I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of a knucklehead, so I, I, I have to break it down. I, I, sometimes I'll read that verse backwards. In order for me to be mature and complete, not lacking anything, which, by the way, will never happen until Jesus comes home. Uh, but if I'm going to head in that direction, well, we're working backwards, I'm going to have to persevere. Well, how am I going to persevere? Well, I'm going to have to have my faith tested. Well, how do I get my faith tested? I got to go through trials. So because I go through trials that will eventually turn, uh, will, will eventually mature me, I consider it pure joy. I rejoice. So I, same thing in Romans 5. If I'm looking at it, how am I going to find hope? Well, i got to have character. I've got to have perseverance, which going all the way back to the beginning of that verse, I have to rejoice in my suffering. And so I love verses like that because they kind of dumb it down for me. Uh, hey, if you're going to be mature and complete, if you're going to find hope in this world, you have to embrace your suffering. You almost—I love the way you put that, Gary. You walk with a limp. You know, I hadn't heard heard, heard it quite like that, but you know, post uh, 2002, you've been walking with a limp. You know, it's almost like we all have that thorn, so that we can we can know Christ in His sufferings. Uh, it's really powerful. Look, we're out of time uh, for the podcast, but we do have some overtime. Uh, so, Gary and Ryan, we want you guys to hang around. Uh, a couple other things I didn't get to bring up that I'd like to bring up. Uh, to you, Gary, and ask uh, what you think about it. So if you want to follow us over to our overtime segment, it's blazetv.com slash unashamed uh, to talk about uh, a little bit more about suffering and, and kind of what Gary is, is working on in that arena uh, now. So check it out. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.